Welcome to Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire, where authors talk about things that never happened to people who don't exist. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. You can check out my books and social media at mindymcginnis.com and visit the Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire blog at writerwriterpantsonfire.com. Due to time and money constraints, changes will be coming to the podcast in the month of November. Episodes will be airing bi-weekly, and I'll be moving to a non-guest format. If you'd like to suggest topics or have questions you'd like answered about writing and publishing, feel free to email me at mindy at mindymcginnis.com or tweet at mindymcginnis. As always, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can donate through GoFundMe by searching for Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire, or check out the link in the episode credits. 12-year-old Gracie Freeman is haunted by the fact that she is actually a character from an unpublished fairy tale. Gracie seeks out the story's author, setting in motion a chain of events that draw her back into the forgotten tale. As the story moves toward its deadly climax, Gracie realizes she'll have to face a dark truth and figure out her own fairy tale ending. Unwritten by Tara Gilboy is available now. Welcome to the October Roundup episode. I started this month by welcoming Catherine Locke, author of The Girl with the Red Balloon and The Spy with the Red Balloon. Catherine joined me to talk about how her process of drafting ignores the need to be perfect, putting that responsibility on the editing process. Also covered data for writers and why we might not want it anyway, and how Catherine approaches historical facts while working with fiction. On October 8th, historical author Sandra Goland joined me to talk about differences in the Canadian publishing world versus the American, assigning personalities to historical people, sexism in researching female historical characters, and how to know when to bend the facts in order to keep your fiction interesting. October 15th brought Australian author S. Gonzalez to the show. We talked about landing her agent, Twitter contests, and writing about mental illnesses responsibly, as well as rom-coms for queer people. Up next, writing and publishing when English is not your first language. From New York Times bestselling author Beth Revis comes the Paper Hearts series. Volume 1 features down-to-earth and practical advice on writing and finding the best practices for you to find and develop your story. Volume 2 covers publishing, from an author who has experience in successful books that were both traditionally and self-published. And volume three is for the author trying to reach a broader market with action plans and practical advice any author can use. Make sure to check out the latest release, The Paper Hearts Workbook, a journal-style writing guide that is designed for you to fill in the pages as you develop your novel. This hands-on guide is useful for someone with an idea who is still trying to figure out how to get the story down, as well as beneficial for the author who's already written the novel and wants to edit and rewrite for publication. Available now. I received an email from a listener who is struggling to move forward with her work in progress. Part of the reason for this is that English is not her native language. I quote, just the idea of me writing a book feels laughable, like a huge cosmic joke. However, she states, I mainly only read in English, therefore it feels natural to daydream and put words on paper in that language. 
While this has never been an issue for me, I am, sadly, a monolingual Midwesterner, I can empathize with the struggle of writing, not to mention publishing, being compounded by the problem of not creating in your native language. It's an interesting question and one I took to Twitter for some answers. But first, I want to add that the idea of you or anyone else writing a novel is not laughable. The drive is within you, therefore, it is a real possibility. Also, the fact that you are naturally daydreaming in English and bringing words to paper in that language is a good sign. The current state of publishing in America does require that your manuscript be in English. Now, for some more specific advice, I'll take you to some of the responses that came from bilingual authors on Twitter, as well as a translator. A native French speaker who prefers to read fantasy and sci-fi in English, and therefore, as noted by my listener as well, chooses to write in that same language. A German speaker on Twitter agreed, saying, quote, Short stories are fine, but my attempt to write an English novel turned out to be quite hard. The language is missing a variety and a certain deepness. Also, progress is much slower than usual. He adds that the specific struggles when writing in his non-native language are word order, common expressions to native speakers, and odd rhythm from your own language. The French writer adds, quote, My grammatical writing is much better in French, but the English language is more malleable. Also, the audience is larger in English. Odds are, if one can write a good book in English, that the book will reach a wider audience than in French. And that's the rub, isn't it? Books in English are going to reach a wider audience, and if you're trying to publish in the United States, many agents only accept manuscripts in English. Which brought me to the question of translation. Can a writer go the route of writing in their original language and have it translated before attempting publication? Or is too much of the original nuance, voice, and meaning lost in that move? Janet Sumner Johnson, a middle grade author and translator, addressed this, saying, quote, I do my best to maintain voice when I translate, but inevitably some of that is lost and some of my own voice seeps in. She adds, if you can reasonably hack the English, I would go that direction. The French writer adds, Nuances and choice of words are lost during translation. Through the course of this conversation on Twitter, YA author and native Russian speaker Katya Debasara shared with me an article she wrote for YA and Tarobang titled, How Do Bilingual Authors Choose to Write Their Stories?, which I will be quoting from below and linking to in the episode credits. Katya says, Every aspect of my writing is influenced by my bilingualism the way I structure sentences, how I describe things, metaphors I'm more likely to use, etc. Even thematically, in my novel, What the Woods Keep, the theme of a lost, forgotten language emerged as a sub-theme of its own, and totally unexpected. Katja continues in her article, noting a, quote, deep-seated worry that I'd somehow be outed as a fraud once agents and publishers discovered that English wasn't my first language. While this didn't happen, my editors did comment on my, at times, unusual uses of language, things like sentence structuring or odd adjective choices, which made me wonder for the first time exactly how my bilingualism influenced my process. Katja brought this question to her fellow bilingual and multilingual 2018 debuts, among them Christina Perez, author of Sweet Black Waves, who grew up speaking three languages and as an adult added another six. Christina says, quote, I also imbue my characters with my own experience of switching between languages and how that affects their personalities and relationships. We articulate our identities through language, and as languages change, so do we. 
Kelly Yang, author of Front Desk, is an English-Chinese speaker who states in Katya's article that, quote, one of the things I struggled with as a bilingual writer is this fear that I may not be as good in either language. I wrote Front Desk to try to dispel this fear. I hope that when bilingual kids see more examples of writers making it in their adopted language, that they'll feel empowered to embrace their bilingualism and not be ashamed of it, because to know more languages is a beautiful thing. I hope these perspectives help lend some confidence to my bilingual listeners. Check out Katya de Bassar's article, How Do Bilingual Authors Choose to Write Their Stories, on YA and Tarobang for more quotes and advice from authors writing in their non-native language. As always, if you have a suggestion for something you'd like me to address dealing with writing, publishing, or questions for me in general, feel free to ask. Email me at mindy at mindymcginnis.com or ask me on Twitter. I'll be back next week to talk about technical writing versus intuition. Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire is produced by Mindy McGinnis. Music by Jack Corbel. If you find the podcast or blog helpful, please consider making a donation by visiting GoFundMe.com and searching for Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire. Or visit the blog by going to writerwriterpantsonfire.blogspot.com. Click on the podcast tab and then the PayPal button. I'm your host, Mindy McGinnis. Join me next week for another episode of Writer, Writer, Pants on Fire, where writers talk about things that never happened to people that don't exist. <laughs>